Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. I am so delighted to be here. I want to thank Pastor David for inviting me, and I'm glad to be here on Valentine's Day. I must confess that I can hardly wait until fist bumping and elbow touching is over. (laughs) Is anybody with me on that? Do I hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make a real nuisance of myself when all of this is over. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a reason for joy, a reason that we as people of God can show and demonstrate and share joy. But first of all, we have to come to accept the idea that joy is okay. When I first started doing comedy, I was in churches that weren't sure that it was okay to laugh in God's house. Do you believe this? God is the author of joy. Do you believe that? No, no, you can't say it that way. You can't say it that way. I watched when the Buccaneers won that game, and I heard, yeah, yeah, uh, everybody has a day of luck. But anyway… I watched when the Buccaneers won that game, and I watched people go, yay. But just think of this. In the middle of everything that's going on, we can know that God is the author of joy. That's better than any touchdown that's ever been made on the face of the earth. Do you believe He's the author? Let me hear it. Okay. Here's proof of that. Whose day is Sunday? It's God's day. It is God's day. Who hates Sunday? The devil hates Sunday. And I don't know about you, but I've experienced over and over and over again the devil trying to tear joy out of Sunday. Tell me it's never happened in your home. How many of you found yourself on Sunday, God's day, with your hands around the throat of a child you love very much? (laughs) Can I see your hands? Yeah. And you're saying something like this. You get ready for church. You get ready now so we can get there on time to learn about the love of Jesus. <laughs> I see a couple of young people going here. Yeah, that's my parents. I, yeah, my neck still hurts. No, no. On Sunday, even children become demon-possessed. <laughs> Tell me this is never. Sitting in the car on the way to God's house to worship God, children fighting over stuff that makes no sense whatsoever. This is my side of the car. (laughs) You are, I had two daughters. I just couldn't believe the way. You are breathing on my side of the car. (laughs) Daddy, some of her molecules are coming into my nose. No wonder we have brain damage. You ever hear this? She's looking at me. I've written a couple of books on parenting. They've won awards. So I thought I was the, I thought I was the um, expert. She's, my daughter, uh, one of them said, she's looking at me. And I just kept driving 
on the way to church and said to her, why don't you just poke her eyes out then? <laughs> that is the wrong answer. <laughs> I look back there. One child <laughs> had her hands over her face like, and her eyeballs were out. They were rolling on the floor. <laughs> Danny, you made a mistake in saying everything he says is true, but this, I'm, I'm on this. <laughs> and the other child is going, they're still looking at me. Is it, just my, is it just my car? No, it's not just my car. They do it. And I think that sometimes Satan says, I think I can get everything changed here so that there's enough tension so that they don't hear what's going on. You ever grab the rearview mirror and give your children the Sunday morning look of sweet love? And then you say something that makes no sense. You want me to come back there? <laughs> Let me tell you what your kids are thinking. They're going, yeah, come on back. Come on. You're doing 75 miles an hour. Come on back. Let's see what happens to the car. And you can't go back because you're doing 75. And why are you doing 75? You're late for church. And the devil just smiles because he wants, he wants so badly to destroy God's day, a day of joy. He wants to take the joy out of it. I, I want to encourage you today, I'm going to encourage you to express God's love to each other. But there's one way that we are desperate for in today's society, and that is to allow our face to show it. When I turn on the television, I don't watch the news anymore. I'm sorry. The first words out of those people's mouth is, uh, good evening. And that's the last good thing you hear. <laughs> it is the last good thing you hear. And the faces, the, God is still in control, folks. He's still in control. And we have a reason for joy. We have a reason for joy. Let your face show it. As I grew up, there wasn't a lot of joy in the faces around me of Christian people. I've been a Christian 47 years. <laughs> it's been great. You know, I want to say you need to send some missionaries to your face. <laughs> your face has not yet received the good news. If we claim to be, have a hold on the joy that only comes from knowing Christ, the joy that only comes from knowing we are forgiven, our face has to show it. I'm sorry, that's part of the Christian life. We're not known for it, but we have to start to become known for it. God is the author of joy. It's one of the reasons we should embrace it and we should show it. Here's another reason for joy. Perfection is not a requirement. I am a perfectionist. That does not mean I'm perfect. I can tell you that because I've been a perfectionist for 75 years. It means most of my life is miserable. Because I want to be perfect. If you're my friend, I want you to be perfect. And none of us are. 
I have paintings that I've painted that have never seen, the public has never seen, because I think they're not purpose, uh, perfect. I've had, I've had goals that I've set that have never been achieved because I don't think I can get them achieved perfectly. And I have to remind myself over and over and over again that God loves me just the way that I am. And if I trust Him, He will help me move forward, not perfectly, but in the way He wants me to go. The reason I love humor is someone defined it this way. It's a gentle way of saying, I'm, I'm not okay, you're not okay, but that's okay. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? Listen to that. I'm not okay. You're not okay. But that's okay. It doesn't make sense, except for the fact that He loves us anyway, that He has taken care of it. It's the only thing that makes that make sense. There is nothing that harms relationships, by the way, more than trying to perpetuate the perception of perfection. Say that fast three times, and you'll find out you're not perfect. I tried, one of the mistakes I made as a parent was try to, to convince my children that I was perfect, and I didn't raise perfect children. What I raised was children who tried very hard to hide their imperfections from me. We did a survey one time for several thousand young people, and we asked them, what do you want to hear most from your parents? And I think number one was something like, here's a bunch of money, go have fun. But number, number one was actually the words, I love you. They, and we're going to come back to that. They wanted to hear their parents say, I love you. This is teenagers. But number two blew me away. They wanted to hear their parents say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And for whatever reason that was, I believe from the depths of their soul, when, when, from the depths of my soul, when a parent, when a friend, when a husband and a, or a wife says to their partner, I'm sorry, I was wrong, what it does is kick the doors open to the possibility of forgiveness. If I can say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, it, it gives the idea, it spreads the hope that forgiveness is available. I've been married for 52 years. We don't have a perfect marriage. Thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> I said that to 2,000 preachers, and it got just as quiet as it got here. But I, I'm serious, we don't. And I'll tell you something else, it's getting worse. We have conflict that's getting worse because neither one of us can hear anymore. <laughs> we have entire arguments with one word. What? <laughs> what? And ladies, can I encourage you just for a moment, this is a little sideline to help you have a good relationship with your husband. You want to talk to him? Don't seclude yourself in some cobweb-infested closet in the basement of the house and shout to him from here. Do not do it. What? Go up there. Talk to him face to face. That's why the airports are so terrible. I go some boarding now. 
Thank you. I see some of you fly. We have conflict in our marriage. She won't let me sleep. Not, I'm serious. Nighttime is not a time to solve problems. It's a time. Are you, I'm almost asleep. My leg has done that thing it does just before I go to sleep. Are you sleeping? Not anymore. I've been thinking. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's what makes marriage great. If you're in a marriage relationship or a friendship and there's no conflict, you need to look around. One of you has passed away. One of these pastors came up after I talked about uh, how much I love my wife, even though we have conflict. And, and he said, I've been married 42 years. <laughs> and this is exactly how he did it. D Danny, you know this one's true. He came up, I've been married 42 years. <laughs> he said, let me tell you something, son. My wife and I have never had, a, never had an argument. <laughs> You know, and I wanted to say, that's because she does not want to watch you do that with your tongue. <laughs> then he said, we've never in 42 years ever even raised our voices to one another. We've never even raised our voices. Does that bother you? And then he said, we've never even had a cross thought toward one another in 42 years. I couldn't keep my mouth shut anymore. <laughs> I said, you are married to a carrot. <laughs> you cannot be married to a human being because human beings have conflict. We are not perfect. That's why Jesus had to come. And so why pretend? People, people in our culture, believe me, from the depths of their hearts are not looking for perfect people. They don't trust people who say they're perfect because deep in their hearts they know nobody is. They're looking for a God who loves and cares for and can help imperfect people grow closer to being like what Christ is. I'll just share this. My first Valentine gift to my wife, imperfect. I didn't know what to get and I hate shopping. And the day before Valentine's Day, she said, you know, I had a hard time starting the car today. When you get a chance, if you could pick up a battery. And I went, shopping's over. <laughs> I know you don't believe this. It's the truth. I bought a heavy-duty dry cell uh, Delco battery. I put it in a box. I wrapped it up real nice. <laughs> Danny, you've heard her tell this story. <laughs> And we're sitting at the table, and she gave me some kind of a frou-frou thing. And, but I pushed this over. And men know if it's heavy, it's good. <laughs> and I pushed it over, and I watched her slowly unwrap it. And then she unwrapped it and, and opened the box. And she just looked. And then I saw a tear pool up in her eye. And uh, the, 
drop on the battery. And I, as a man, I thought, I have hit the mother load. She loves it. <laughs> and then another tear and another tear. And I said, what's wrong, honey? And she said, I, I thought I, I was looking for something that was romantic. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I should have thrown in those jumper cables. <laughs> You want to hear the good news of Joy? She has stayed with me for 52 years. It's a reason for joy. When we, when we laugh together about our, our imperfections, it's a reason for joy. You don't show your feelings. <laughs> Ladies, we don't have feelings. <laughs> we do, but they're not expressed the same way you do. Now, if I get in trouble for this, I'm so sorry, Danny, but I am so sick of a culture that's trying to tell us there's no difference between men and women. I am tired of it. God made us different, and it is a good different, equal, absolutely. I will fight to the end of my life that we're treated equally, but we're different, different. A man never comes home and goes, oh, today at work I had this feeling in my stomach and it just came up here and someone said something that hurt my heart and it came up and... <laughs> you know if a man's had a bad day by how far that cat flies across the room. <laughs> but I wanted so badly to... to I love her, and I started thinking about it. I've got to share my feelings, even if it's in a different way. And this is a true story. We were coming down here to speak at a church, and um, we were at a big intersection, and across the intersection was a place I can't eat anymore. I've lost 50-some pounds, and the reason I did it was I stopped eating at that place. That was like... Uh, alcohol's bar for me. I, alcoholic, I, I couldn't go in there. I could not go in there. And I saw the place and I realized I can't go in there. And I thought, that's, that's really sad. We're waiting for the light to change. And I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. He said, sad is a feeling. Share it. <laughs> and so I shared it the way a, a man does. I said with emotion, Dunkin' Donut. <laughs> and my wife said, what? And I said, Dunkin' Donut. And she said, what? This upset me. I got upset. Here I had just poured my heart out to this woman. And she's going, what, what? I said, what part of Dunkin' Donut don't you understand? And she said, Ken, this is the truth. Don't condone what? And I, I said, I didn't say don't condone it. I said, don't condone it. There's a difference. <laughs> Folks, this is why I love her. We pulled the car over to the side and laughed till stuff was shooting out our nose. <laughs> I'm sure there were people looking in us. You say, well, what does this have to do with God? This is a church. What does this have to do with, with the Lord? 
Do you know why there's joy in our marriage? Because there's love in our marriage. That's why there's joy in our marriage. That's why sometimes we laugh at something like that and the next day we try harder to demonstrate the love that God wants us to demonstrate. Here's another reason for joy. God's love never fails. Even for imperfect people. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. We weren't okay. You weren't okay. And still God sent His Son to die for us. And there is no greater expression of love than that. I'm going to confess to you today that my imperfections go far beyond humor. Danny and I have been friends for years and years. And he he knows that I went through a bout of depression that was extremely dangerous and, and almost meant the end of my life. I'm going to tell you something. People say, how did you get out of it? What, what helped you? There was medication that helped, but how did I really get out of it? Being reminded beyond the shadow of a doubt that God loved me just the way I was. I can't describe it. I can't tell you that if everybody did exactly what I did, all I know is that I was sitting at the, on, a, on a chair. I had gotten out of bed for the first time in weeks and weeks, and I was sitting on a chair in the bedroom, and this song came to my mind. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I sang it over and over again. Love heals hearts. His love never fails, even in difficult times. In James, it it tells us to count it all joy when we we go through 2020. (laughs) Trials, difficulties, problems, because that strengthens us. And when we are strengthened and when we persevere through that, The Bible says that we will become mature and lacking nothing. It's the way God uses even those tough things that comes into our lives to demonstrate His love. So what are we to do with the love that Christ has demonstrated for us? What's the greatest Valentine gift to give to the ones we love? Goes way beyond chocolate. Goes way beyond roses. Jesus Himself answered this question. Just before he was to go to the cross, he gave the last words that he was going to speak to the disciples before his crucifixion. And when people are going to die, the last words they say are some of the most important words you will ever hear. You will never hear a person in that situation say something like, isn't it a nice day today? Boy, we got a lot of rain, didn't we? You won't hear that kind of trite stuff. Boy, the buccaneers were lucky, weren't they? You don't, you, you don't hear that. What you hear are some of the most important words they will ever say. Here's what Jesus said. My children, I can only be with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot go. A new command I give you, 
You know, so often we take the real blood and life out of the disciples. What do you think they thought when he said, a new command I give you? I want to tell you that the culture at the time had all kinds of commands. There were ways you had to act on Sunday. There were places you could be and not be. There was a place you could go when you went to the temple and a place you couldn't go. There, there was rule after rule after rule after rule. And here Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new command. I grew up with a list of commands. I believed that they were the mark of a Christian. My list went something like this. If you don't smoke, if you don't drink, if you don't chew, if you don't dance, if you don't play cards, if you don't go to the theater, if you don't, um, oh, a lady gave me one at the end of the last service, if you don't uh, uh, attend mixed swimming, if you, it was, people came up and give me several. There's all these rules. And if you don't do those things, that is a sign of your belief. I was 16 years old, and just my brain told me that wasn't true because I was sitting on a, on a porch, and my dog Ralph walked by. Ralph didn't smoke, he didn't drink, he didn't chew, he didn't dance, he didn't go to the theater, and we never let him run around with dogs that did those things. <laughs> if that was being a Christian, Ralph was a better Christian than me, and the best Christians in the world are mannequins. They don't do anything. How many of you would testify today that your life has been changed by a mannequin? See, I, can I see your hand, please? Come on, tell me you were deep in sin and then you saw a mannequin. And a, no, they do not affect our lives. On our honeymoon, I don't know why, we were in a big department store and I decided to pretend I was a mannequin. I can see women... <laughs> saying to their husbands, I'd divorce him first day. But anyway, <laughs> I pretended I was a mannequin. And people didn't know. I was standing among some other mannequins. One lady came up, and she brushed the, the fabric of my coat and said to her friend, isn't this beautiful? This would work really nice on George, this right here. And then as she did that, her hand touched the flesh, the warm flesh of my hand. Do you know how many coat racks that woman knocked over? And she was yelling, he's alive! <laughs> oh, that the world would look at us who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ and shout with amazement, he's alive, she's alive, they're alive. It's unfortunate today that we're known more for our lists and what we're against than the love we proclaim. Disciples were thinking maybe another law. Buy only cage-free eggs. Go vegetarian. Don't, uh, don't leave dirty fishnets in the boat. By the way, Vegetarian is a Native American word. I found this out. It means bad hunter. <laughs> but Jesus didn't talk about a, a legalistic list. Here's what he said. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. 
The characteristics of Jesus' love, we don't even have to list them in detail because they ended with the greatest characteristic of all. He did not discriminate against uh, bad people. He, he ate with them. He loved on them because He wanted them to respond to His love and experience joy. He, he was such an amazing example of love. And He tells us, you love like I love. And my challenge to you today is this. I want you to just take a tiny piece of that kind of love and practice it here today. Not let the day pass. In fact, in a, in a few moments, not let these moments pass without practicing that. And it's simply this. To say the words, I love you. I had two parents that I know loved me. My father, an amazing amazing war hero, man, military man. I know he loved me, but oh, how I wish I'd heard the words. I love you. I love you. I'm going to encourage you to do that, to say those words. The world is desperate for those words. I was in Brownsville, Texas. I was sitting on the beach talking to a filmmaker who wanted me to be in an industrial film, and I wanted to be a movie star. If I had to start advertising some machinery, I was glad to do it. My daughter had slipped away, my youngest daughter had slipped away from her mom, climbed a chain-link fence, and had been swimming in the sewage lagoon for this entire hotel complex. We didn't know that. She found it great fun to drape that nasty algae all over her body, and then she climbed back over the fence and found me. She came running. I didn't see her coming. I didn't hear her coming. She hit me doing 30, maybe 40 miles an hour. All of the stuff on her body unwrapped from her body and wrapped itself around mine. She smelled horrible. She grabbed a hold of my hair and whipped my head around and said, I love you, I love you, I love you. I kill you with love because I am the love monster. And then she kissed me with nine or ten of the most rotten-smelling kisses I have <laughs> ever experienced in my life. The man next to me said, could you ask her to leave until our business is finished? <laughs> and God gave me the strength to say to him, our business is finished now. I have no desire to be in business with someone who is not even slightly moved by the proclamation of a smelly, stinky kid saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. It changes life. It saved my life. My oldest daughter stopped saying I love you when she was 14. I would say it to her, and then she'd say, me too. 15, 16, we threw her a big party at 16 years old. When the party was over, I put my arms around her and said, I love you. And she said, whatever, and then went back to doing her work. She wasn't a nasty kid. She was a teenager that didn't know how to express love. I took her to college at 18, flew her to the college in my plane, left her off in this tiny little room with small, a small amount of possessions, knowing that one part of our life was over. We wouldn't see her often anymore. And I hugged her again and said, I love you. And she said, me too. And I wept all the way home. I was invited to come back to speak at that college. I was terrified. I'm not terrified to be here. I love being here. 
People say, you get nervous. No, I want to be up here. I want to be up here now. I want Danny to get off the stage so I can get up here. <laughs> but I was terrified there because what if she didn't like my speech? I finished my speech. The chaplain took me to lunch at an Italian restaurant. I was eating spaghetti. He opened his briefcase and said, I have received today more response, positive response cards than in any time of my tenure here at this college. And he read several of them, and I was so gratified. Then he reached in his pocket, and he pulled out one. He said, here's one I think you'll be interested in. On the front of the card was my daughter's name, Tracy Lynn Davis. I didn't want to turn it over, but I finally did. And written on the other side of the card were these words. I love my daddy. I spit spaghetti all over the table. <laughs> I ran for the bathroom. I was so embarrassed. I slammed the door and locked it, and I cried out to God, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. She loves me. Oh, God, thank you. She does love me. I didn't know there was a guy in the stall. I said that about four times, and he said, get a life, dude. <laughs> I remember walking out of there thinking, you know what? Without love, there is no life. None. There's no reason to live. I was speaking to 55,000 men. I gave them the same challenge I'm going to give you, to say I love you to each other men and their sons filling a football stadium. And I said, please stand. I said, today one of the greatest things you can do for your son, for your father, is to say the words, I love you. Put your arms around your son. Put your arms around your father. Say the words, I love you. And I looked out and the ca camera, it, it was difficult for these people. It was difficult. And I saw the camera focus on a man and his son, and they were struggling to, to do this. And I stepped back to the microphone, and I said, Ben, if you can't say I love you to each other, you have nothing to say to the world. There's nothing to say to the world. Now say it. And I heard a holy rumble of men and sons saying words that some of them had never heard or didn't hear often enough to each other. And I looked down at the monitor and I saw the camera come back to the man and his son. Now their arms wrapped around each other, stumbling over chairs, trying to keep from falling, tears streaming from their face as they said the words we were born to hear. So now I'm going to challenge you. We're going to take just a moment. But would you be willing to grab the hand of your friend's wife or your... Oh, that was wrong. Uh, <laughs> imperfect. Would you be willing to grab the hand of your friend, grab the hand of your wife, your dad, your mom, and say, I love you?
We're going to just take a moment. It only takes a moment. You might want to during this time, if they're not here, to just text them. No big message other than I love you. For those of you who are at home, do it right there. Say I love you. It changes lives. Let's take that moment. And in unison, God, we want to turn to you in this moment and say thank you. Thank you for demonstrating your love. And, oh, Lord, we proclaim in this moment, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.